Well, hello, and welcome back to another scary, scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I got some skilly, skilly stuff for you today, boys and girls. <laughs> All right, ma'am. Hope everybody's having a great day and a great uh, week. It's finally sunny here in Texas. We've had a week of uh, cloudy crap, cold weather, drizzling, rainy, kind of Seattle stuff. And, uh, man, I tell you what, I, I couldn't live like that. I mean, man, it's just a week of that shit. No wonder people get depressed with that weather because, man, it was just, just creepy, grungy, just bleh weather. But it's nice and sunny here. Sorry, guys, I'm late. I know it's Sunday. Usually I do that Saturday. I told everybody, oh, I'm going to have it. But got some good news. Finally got my um, editing stuff figured out what the problem was. I've been working on. I had this new program downloaded to my computer, my Microsoft computer, about the uh, new uh, edit, uh, video editing. I've been figuring that out. Finally got it figured out. Been loading stuff up on the YouTube page. If you're not a subscriber there, go subscribe. It's my YouTube page. I'm getting it caught up. I'm on episode 184 there. But I got 10 more to load up to get up to 195 to this one that I'm doing right now. So 10 more episodes that'll be up to par. And I wanted to say thank you to everybody who's showing me love there and showing me love on all the platforms on my podcast Thank you. I'm being heard from around the world. The numbers are great. I just want to get them up some more, guys. It would be awesome. But I am proud of the numbers I do get. Because, guys, I don't advertise. I don't push my podcast out there on people. I mean, I promote it through myself. But I don't spend a lot of money. So I think the numbers I do have for someone doing it independently like I am is pretty damn good. Because I do that's out of my house. I do my own editing, my own everything. So, yeah. But anyways, man, I hope you guys are having a great time this week. A good week. I am. Um, just want to say thank you once again for the love and the support. Give me some five-star reviews. Comment on the show, guys, if you like this or not. I know my dyslexia sometimes kicks in. It sounds like I can only read at a second-grade level, but. I try my best, and I really love doing this, and I want it to kick off, and I hope it will someday. But if you're watching the uh, video to this, hope everyone likes my Jason Voorhees face in the background. That's a mask I got my son for Christmas. It comes with the hockey mask, too. So you can check that out on the old video page. <clears throat> but anyways, like I said, just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Now I'm getting caught up on stuff that will be every Saturday morning. Like I said, I've been, I have been stayed up Friday night, Saturday night, working on my uh, video editing and stuff. So got it down. I can get to you to back to loading up stuff on YouTube. And another announcement, I'm going to uh, go live. I'm, I don't know which night to pick, though. Friday, or Friday or Saturday. I don't know yet. I might do Friday. I don't know. Might do, I mean, I don't know. But we'll just go do it by ear. Don't forget, check me out on uh, Ghost Stories Told from the South, my Facebook. 
I'm going to start keeping that up too. So, But like I said, a lot of stuff's rolling this year. The year's looking good for me. And I would like to know if I started selling shirts, if anybody would be interested in merch. Let me know. Leave a comment. Tell me to F off. Tell me to piss off. Tell me you like the show, you hate the show. I don't care because I've already got some comments. Oh, the, you know, that, man, I really uh, like the guy's personality, but I just can't get into it. Which, I, I mean, if y'all bash me, I mean, that's the one thing about doing this. You got to learn to take criticism. So if y'all don't think I'm doing a good job, tell me. If you think I'm doing a good job, tell me. I can take it. I'm a big boy. I won't get my feelings hurt. But anyways, let's get on with some stories. What do you say? Let me get a drink of water. Ah. All right, guys. Let's cover our first story. Our first story is about Fort Morgan in Alabama. All right, guys. Fort Morgan in Alabama. Fort Morgan is a historic site located near the mouth of the of Mobile, Alabama. Oh, of Mobile Bay in Alabama. It has long been a place of mystery and intrigue. Sh shuddered in tales of super supernatural activity. Over the years, many ghost stories have been told about the fort, leaving a hunting history, a haunting history that has captivated <coughs> that has captivated locals and visitors alike. Now it's possible to uncover the ghosts of the past and explore the rich history of these unique and spooky places. Welcome to the haunting history of Fort Morgan. Located near the mouth of Mobile Bay in Alabama, Fort Morgan is a histo What the... F God, what... Uh, okay, just did the same thing, but we keep repeating it. Okay. For centuries, curious visitors have, made cap have been captivated by its haunting history. Eager to uncover the ghost of the past, in its blog, we'll uh, dive into the history of Fort Morgan and experience some of the, some of the famous ghost stories and legends associated with the area. We'll also discuss the importance of preserving the rich heritage and why you should visit the spooky destination. So if you are ready to uh, or uh, if you are ready to adventure into the unknown and uncover the ghost of the past come along with Steve <laughs> All right here's the history Fort Morgan was first established in 1883 as an American frontage on the east side of Mobile Bay in order to protect the town and harbor from British attacks. Originally known as Fort Boyer, it was renamed Fort Morgan in 1821 after the Revolutionary War hero General Daniel Daniel Morgan. The first played a 
the uh, the fort played a important role in several important battles throughout history, including the Battle of Mobile Bay during the Civil War and also an essential base during World War II when it served as a training ground for naval officers. Today, Fort Morgan is preserved as a historic site and is open to the public for exploration. Okay, now here's the haunting history. Over the years, Fort Morgan has developed quite a reputation for its supernatural activity. Legends have reported seeing apparitions of former soldiers in mysterious lights in the night sky. Some even claim to have heard disembodied voices and strange noises coming from the inside of the walls. One legend even claims that if you stand at a certain spot, at midnight, you can hear cannonballs crashing into the walls, just like they did during the battle long ago. Whether these stories are true or not, one thing is certain. Fort Morgan is home to some seriously spooky tales. Exploring the Ghost of the Past if you are brave enough to venture into Fort Morgan, there are plenty of opportunities to explore its supernatural activity. Take a night tour of the fort. Take a night tour of the fort and search for ghostly apparitions or strange lights in the sky. You can also wander around the grounds and uncover some of the mysterious or mysteries. Who knows what secrets you might find. If you don't have time for the full tour, there are plenty of spots around the fort where you can soak in, soak in its spooky atmosphere. Just be sure to watch out for any strange noises or unexplained phenomenon. All right. Fort Morgan has an incredible rich history for or history that is worth preserving for future generations. It played an essential role in battles throughout history and was home to many brave soldiers who fought for the country. Its preservation efforts are dis, are continuing to ensuring that the unique heritage it's not forgotten. <clears throat> Visitors can explore the historic building in monuments or take part in one of its many events, such as such as a overnight stay or living uh, in the history's camps. There are also plenty of guided tours available that will provide you with detailed information about the uh, about history and its and its importance the haunting the haunting history of fort morgan is filled with mystery and intrigue that will captivate visitors from the walls of life whether you are looking for a spooky adventure or simply want to learn more about the historic site 
There is something for everyone at Fort Morgan. So please come and enjoy. See, in a place like that, you know it's got to be rich with uh, ghost activity and stuff because of the history there, because of all the battles. You know, I mean, there was young men who died, older men who died, and their souls or whatever are stuck there in its loop-de-loop. So that would be a cool place to visit, ma'am. I think that'd be a cool place. Like I said, people hear all sorts of voices there. Uh, excuse me, footsteps. I mean, and there's soldiers ca- uh, and captains and stuff that haunt the place. So it's got a lot going for it. Ah, sorry. All right. Let's go to our next story. What do you say? All right, our next story is the... Now, if I'm butchering its name up, I'm sorry. The Dresch House in uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Not long ago, the once great home of Dr. John R. Dress, built in Tuscaloosa... Was an important danger. Was. Oh, wasn't. I'm going to get my fucking bifocals. Sorry, guys. Give me a minute. I got to get my other eyes on. Well, because some of these, uh, when I printed stuff off, some of the sites. And I'm still trying to figure out, or figure out some of this stuff. But sometimes when I print it, it's not as big as some stuff. All right. Not long ago. Okay, I read that. Okay, the Im- in- is uh, Tuscaloosa was an imminent danger. Long va- vacant, the place was home to assorted varmints, a favorite haunt of the homeless, a target of <clears throat> comoda- a target of accommodations by the city, and an eyesore to many locals. Today, thanks to the generosity of the Southside Baptist Church and the foresight of the Tuscaloosa County Preservation Society, say that three times fast. Uh, the preser- preservations are, being the, are breathing new life into the historic structure, and its uh, future future looks promising. Built in 1837 as a local point for Plantation boarding for plantations boarding the city of Tuscaloosa, the Dresch House bears a long and troubled history. Doctor Dresch Dresch remodeled the house in the 1850s, adding columns and a distinctive uh, tower. And in 1887, his furniture lost his future. Oh, his fortune lost to war and gambling, and his health ruined by alcohol. Dresch fell dead on the home's elegant covered stairwell. Uh, Okay. He was survived by his wife, Sarah, and his mentally ill daughter, Catherine. I hate it when they put this in the parentheses shit. Oh, give me a minute. (laughs) 
Okay. The window dress who had been left more than (coughs) her elegant uh, house and the right to live in the house cared for Catherine, raised the boys and struggled on and... uh, (coughs) Sorry. Struggled struggled on in gentle poverty until her death in 1884 the contents of the home home was sold at a at public at public auction the house remained in private residence until 1906 when is when it was converted into a public school by the 1930s however the structure had fallen on hard times and was purchased by a local uh, entrepreneur who opened a garage in the uh, parlor and parked wrecked cars in the front yard and nailed an unsignly Tuscaloosa wrecking company signed to the uh, grounds. To famed photographer Walker Evans, the contrast between the once elegant house and the elegant Tidenet spoke volumes about what happened to the South. His 1930s photo of Darish House was a wrecking company remains among the most often reproduced photograph of Alabama. The negativity now resides in the archives of the Museum of Modern Art in New, at, in New York. In the 1940s, the Southside Baptist Church purchased the house as as a meeting site and eventually built a large sec, a large building abandoned uh, a, a large building to the house and a freestanding Sunday school building on the property. The house remained in its uh, way until 1995 when the church with a dwindling and aging population closed its doors. The structure was leased for several years to the Heritage Commons of Tuscaloosa County, which had little, mo- which had little money to put into it, and, final- and finally offered for sale by the Tuscaloosa County Baptist Association. Aware of the Dresch House was a was an important historic property. Church members approached the Tuscaloosa County Preservation Society, whose members <coughs> excuse me whose members were interested in the property but unable to meet the purchase price. Much has happened since. The society has re-roofed the house, hired animal control experts to remove the creatures that reside inside, repaired repaired damage and other openings caused by hurricanes Ivan and Katrina, and with the aid of a $32,600 grant from the Alabama Historical Communications or Commission's cleaned out and decommended the uh, toxic entire. A daunting task un- 
undertaken by professional cleaners over a period of several years. One of the requirements of the grant agreement was that the public the public be able to visit the public would be able to visit the home after the cleanup was done and completed. Finding uh, finding interesting parties was no problem. Two local paranormal groups was annexed to in, investigate the house. And according to witnesses, the findings were startling. Piano keys would strike when nobody was in the room. Objects would move. And fuzzy figures appeared in uh, photos. On October, in October, the Tuscaloosa Paranormal Research Group teamed up with Preservation Society and the University of Alabama Student Government Association to host, to host six sold-out haunted building tours, the highlights of which was was a visit inside was a visit inside of the Derek, the Dresch House. Local and regional media was presented for the tours, as they were as they were for both paranormal investigations. Someone tried unsuccessfully to burn the house down on Halloween night, but once again the dress house provided it is a survivor, and it's still there today. So, if you want to go check out a spooky place, go check out this place. It sounds like it's open to the public, and it should be easy to get to. That sounds like a cool place to visit, though. But a place like that with that much history, man, I guarantee there's a lot of hauntings and stuff there. And then with all the remodeling and stuff, I just like old houses like that. I think it's cool, man. All right. Well, let's get on with the next story. What do you say? All right, boys and girls. Our next story is the old Bryce Hospital in Alabama. This abandoned insane asylum in Alabama is hands down one of the creepiest places in the southeast. The faculty renamed in use or the faculty remained in use until the late nineteen seventies when it was left to <coughs> says when it was left to the revengeance of time, which means it was abandoned and nature just took over. Nature and vandals and Nature and vandals and perhaps the wandering spirits of patients themselves still wander here. Some call the Jemison Center Center of the uh, the Jemison Center or the Old Bryce Hospital, while most locals call it simply Old Bryce. The three-story building with its imposing white center, vacant graffiti-lidded walls and crumbling brick structure is sure to put any visitors on edge. Excuse me. Top that with the heroic history of the old institution, and you have the perfect storm for a haunting. 
There is another Bryce hospital that was originally labeled in Insane Asylum. This is often confused with the abandoned old Bryce. Bryce Hospital, however, is located in nearby Tuscaloosa and is still in use for psychiat- as a psychiatric hospital today. It was built in 1861 and is currently owned by the University of Alabama. <clears throat> the abandoned old Bryce is the article is this article is located in Northport, Alabama. It was built in the late thir- 1930s to house black patients who were segregated from white patients at Bryce Insane Asylum in Tuscaloosa. It remained an all-black patient faculty until the late 1960s after the Civil Rights Act Civil Civil Rights Act was passed. The old Bryce was originally named the Jemison Center prior to the Civil War. William Jameson founded a large plantation on the site known as Cherokee Place. His son, Robert Jameson, an elderly prompted of a mental health care in Alabama and bequeathed the land to the Alabama State Board of Mental Health upon its de- upon his death. The site <coughs> remained a working plantation long after slavery. <coughs> long after slavery was abolished. With ability with able-bodied patients being used as free labor. The state-funded institution was sometimes called a free, I'm not saying that word, a free insane asylum. The, I ain't doing that. The uh, colony are referred to as Alabama's state farm colony. I ain't saying that either. The old Bryce building was completed and firmly disconnected as or discontinu- disconnected as the uh, Jameson Center in 1939. The old Bryce, old Bryce Northport had terrible standards of treatment and cruelty for the mentally ill. Ice baths, yeah, they thought back then like ice baths, sticking somebody in some fucking uh, ice bath would cure them of shit, you know. Just all sorts of stuff. Shock therapy, um, lobotomies, you know, filthy conditions were just a few of the horrors suffered by the patients at Old Bryce. In fact, reporters and whistleblowers who visited the site in the 1970s used its horrified conditions as an example to push push for mental health care reform. The hospital closed in 1977. Over the years, the abandoned structure has become a go-to place for vagrants, local teens, paranormal researchers, and simply the curious. Visitors claim they have had terrifying experiences on the campus of the old Bryce and inside the crumbling structure. Lurking dark shadows, disembodied voices, chilling cold spots and physical structures and pushes are just a few of the dark things experienced at Old Bryce. So you go here, you might have a chance of getting pushed. 
Hopefully they don't push you down the stairs. If you decide to visit the old Bryce yourself, conditions are strong or caution is strongly advised. The living who frequent the old faculty in the conditions of the building are among the real dangers today of the old asylum. Police patrol the location regularly to to and strongly advised against visiting the building. Fires, tornadoes, and vandalism over the years have left the structure in very bad conditions. So be careful if you go there. That, see, man, I like insane asylums and just asylums and hospitals. Like, man, they're just covered with, especially insane asylums from back in them days because they just, the treatment of them. I mean, it was ridiculous treating people this way. You're like, really? How do you get away with this? But. It is what it is, but thank goodness times aren't like that anymore. Yeah. Oh. All right. Our next story is a good one. All right, our next story is the Pioneer Saloon. The Pioneer Saloon in Nevada. The Pioneer Saloon was built in 1913 by a prominent businessman in his day. A Mr. George Faley built, built as a place for miners and others to gather <clears throat> and tell stories, have a few drinks, and maybe meet up with some ladies of the night. Uh, okay, the Pioneer Saloon was a gathering place for townspeople to get to know one another and possibly make a wager or two. The tragedy of the Clark Gable of tragedy, the tragedy of Clark Gable and Carl Lombard. In the early 1940s, the Pioneer Saloon was featured by none other than the famous actor. Always, oh, it was frequented by the famous actor Clark Gable. He and Carly Lombard visited the town many times. His famous link to the Pioneer Saloon came about very tragically. He was waiting for word of a terrible plane crash that the love of his life and wife of fewer than two years, Carly Lombard. <coughs> <coughs> was unfortunately involved. <clears throat> the plane she was in had crashed into the nearby Potosso Mountain, and word came through that there were no survivors. It is said that Clark Gable waited waited in the Pioneer Saloon for three days, waiting for the word about her fate and then for news of the recovery of her body. Once her body was found, it is said that he took it with him for a proper barrier, burial and that he was never seen at the uh, Pioneer Saloon again. Today there is a room showcasing the history known as the Clark Gable uh, and Carly Lambert Room. Preserving history for the future generations in a huge part of the bar and it's still there today. 
Yeah, I got a little heater under my little podcasting desk here. and I get a little chilly. Okay, here's the colorful history. The story of Joe Armstrong. Pioneer Saloon is a fully operational saloon today, and many visitors visit by the colorful history in checker in in the in checkerade in checkered by its colorful colorful history in checkered history. Some might even say fabled past. It seems that another famous event occurred at the Pioneer Saloon. This one happened on July 3rd, 1915, just two years after the saloon had opened for business. It seems that a group of prospectors, miners, and other assorted characters were playing a game of poker at the poker, poker table near the bar. One of the gamblers tried to, cra- uh, tried to cash out with a whopping $10. Yep, $10. And was... Uh, and was thought by the dealer, Joe Armstrong, to be cheating. The gambler thought the dealer, Joe Armstrong, was dealing a crooked card game. It seems as the story goes that Joe Armstrong put out a pistol and and impinted it into the uh, gambler, whose name was Paul uh, Gossy. With most of these shots going into the wall, it it was said that the last six shots. Okay, it was said that at least six shots were total were shot. Uh, it is said that at least six shots total were fired. Three of the bullet holes still remain today in the wall of the Pioneer Saloon. A stark reminder of the law of the lawlessness that was previous previ- that was in the early 1900s, used as a way of of settling disputes. Gunfire was rapid, and served as a way to try to bring law and order to a into society. The effectiveness of the method, however, is questionable. Okay, now here's some more history. The saloon has been running constantly for almost 100 years. 2013 marking its 100th anniversary. The saloon is actually built from an old tin tiles that were thought to have been fa- that have thought to have been bought from Sears and Roebuck back in the 1930s. One of the oldest remaining building structures in the United States that was made from these tin tiles. When you first look at it from the outside, it almost looks as it as if it is made from old cider block. <clears throat> but upon closer inspection, you realize it is indeed made of these thin tiles. The saloon is both fascinating to is fascinating to look at. And full of history. Just look at the three remaining bullet holes in the wall. And in fact, one bullet still remains lodged in the wall. For a glimpse into history, according to one of the uh, bartenders, 
The old bullet holes were removed when a door was put was put in, but three still remain. In one, oh, and on the wall is a collection of artifacts, like the deck of cards that was being used at the uh, fatal deal at the fateful deal. Here are the pioneers. Here's about the Pioneer Saloon and movies. Several movies have been filmed at the old Pioneer Saloon, including Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, an old Cheech and Chong movie, uh, The Congelity 2, the Mexican was filmed there. And, of course, 1942, Clark Gable became one of the most famous actors while in awaiting word as to the fate of his beautiful wife. Okay, I've already told that story. That's some of the famous stuff about this place. Now let's get with the ghost. There are said to be at least two ghosts in the Pioneer Saloon. One of the ghosts is gambler Paul Koski, who uh, was killed in the ill-fated poker game back in, the, back in 1915. People often claim to have seen him over by the poker tables and other places in the bar. Another ghost is thought to be the, that of a prospector or a miner wearing a crumbled-up cowboy hat, and according to those who have seen him, he is not very tall. He is thought to be just hanging out at the bar and seems to uh and seems to not want to mean harm to anybody. Nearly every employee of the bar is said to have been who uh, nearly every employee of the bar is said to have seen the old the old miner and is required as harmless. Well, that's good. There could potentially be another ghost, that of a form, uh, that of a former owner of the bar, who, according to legend, was drinking at the bar when he collapsed and died right there at the bar. According to this same story, the bartender who was working that day finished the saloon, finished the saloon owner's glass of beer, crashed the glass, and said to the right said to right after the former owner died it was said that his wife continued to work at the bar until her death about five years later so with a place like that it's got a lot of rich history so go check the place out the old pioneer saloon in Nevada Nevada all right Got one more story left, guys. All right, guys and girls, let's get on with the next story. All right, the next story is the Yellow Jacket Mine. In the 1800s, dreams of striking it rich sent hundreds of people running to the coast. Mining towns were set up to host a wide variety of travelers who packed up everything for packed up everything they had 
and risk their lives at a chance for success. <coughs> Many tricked their families, uh, uh, dragged their families across the country, away from everything they knew, and in an attempt to make better way for themselves. Unfortunately, in Gold Hill, Nevada, one fateful night, those families could do nothing but stand back and watch as the men they loved struggled for, uh, excuse me, struggled for their, excuse me, struggled for their lives in a blazing fire. The 1800s uh, boom was hosted by companies like Comstock, who employed between 500 and 1,000 men to work around the clock in the underground system of tunnels. Working along shifts in, in uh, bad conditions, workers were, fa were faced injury and death from illnesses, dehydration, pollution, and cave-ins and fires happened. As they dug and blasted, they spent their days endlessly moving, moving ore and dirt from the underneath the Nevada desert. One such operation was located in Gold Hill, Nevada, as the Yellow Jacket Mine. The operation ran successfully for a time, pumping out many series of exp uh, expensive fines. Unfortunately, April 7th of 1869, a mining fire took the lives of over 30 men as they burned to death in what was known as the worst mining disaster in state history. The miners' families and friends and co-workers watched standing outside the dark as firefighters struggled, struggled to enter the mines. The fire started at the 800-foot level. The fire had been discovered, but in the days before cell phones and the Internet, News did not travel fast enough to save the lives that fate the of the uh, save the lives of the fated men. They had already been lowered into the mines before the news had reached the town. Unable to reach the men, firefighters were called but barely able to make it into the entrance before they were pushed back from the uh, violent flames and fumes. Timbers collapsed on the men below, and gases raged as the fire swarred through the tunnels. The source of the fire was a lantern credited to an unattended lantern that mixed with the gases below the uh, surface created a fire so big and so intense that it burned for days. The fires perished, and despite eventually sealing the tunnels off, it remained hot for several years. No evacuation was possible, no rescues were made, and no bodies were ever recovered. So these poor souls got stuck in there while it's, I mean, that's just a horrible way to freaking die, man. Get stuck in a fucking mining tunnel and then a fire breaks out and you're screwed. You can't go do anything. It's a hell of a way to go. See, tragic shit like that is what 
causes a lot of this ghost stuff too. Just three weeks later, miners miners were back at it. The promise of riches called out to the called out to the man who began again to break their backs in search of treasures. Unfortunately, instead of treasures, the man began to have constant issues with machinery and equipment. They reported seeing apparitions and hearing the voices of their deceased mining brothers. Many reported feeling ill or having an overwhelming feeling of dread when they entered the mines. Nearby, the Gold Hill Hotel was a common place for the miners and their families to stay. It included a miner's changing cabin that was often used as a break room. It was also very popular. Oh, it was also very popular the last place miners visited before their gruesome deaths that terrible night. Hotel visitors report having the apparitions of an extra card player at their gambling tables and seeing doors, chairs, or drinks being pushed or moved. They've reported smelling a strong perfume without being able to to locate the source of the source or hearing footsteps outside these rooms. Many heard talk many have he heard talking or furniture being moved, thinking it was the room next door when they were the only guest in at the time. Yeah, that one sounds like a pretty cool place to visit too, man. Anytime there's big tragic stuff like that, man, it usually um leaves some uh, ghost hauntings, you know, because when something tragic like that happens. And another thing, guys, these places I'm talking about, some of them are open to the public. Some are closed and patrolled by cops. So if you want to go see these places, make sure you make the right uh, request to be there. So you don't get in trouble or something, you know. But other than that, man, I think that was a pretty good show today. Just remember, be safe. Don't do too much exploring and, you know, get caught or something. But I encourage you to go out and explore, you know, because there's something more out there than just what we see sometimes. But I'm glad you guys stopped by today. Sorry I'm late again, but I promise everything will be back on Saturday now. Go check out my YouTube page. I'm getting everything caught up there. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm glad you guys enjoyed the show. We got five more shows until... What? Four-year anniversary, guys. I can't wait. Like I said, y'all help me get to my numbers up. Tell everybody about it. <coughs> like I said, my uh, podcast is on... Spotify, um, it's pretty much on every big platform now. Go check me out I'm anywhere you can find me. Check out my YouTube page, Ghost Stories Told from the South. I'm getting it caught up. Go check me out on Facebook. So, yeah, man. Glad you guys stopped by today. Thank you. Thank you so much for the uh, growth of the show. Thank you for listening around the world. And until next time, guys, don't get too scared now. Don't be too scary. And tell some scary stories. <laughs> we'll see you later, guys. And uh, yeah, have a good one.